In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. You have all come across people at some point in their life, maybe it tends to happen toward the end of their life, where people have had regrets. Regrets about how much time they spent with their family. Regrets about the fact that maybe they were more interested in their job, their profession, than their wife or their kids or their husband and their kids. Regrets over not taking enough time off. Regrets over not spending more time with your extended family. Then there are those people who have owned businesses throughout their lives, and they've looked back at their business and they've said, if we just would have made that one decision, everything would have gone in a better direction. If we would have spent more time making our customers happy than worrying about our bottom dollar, maybe things would have been different. The church can get involved with this as well. We can be so worried about all of the things, our boards, our committees, our budgets, the worldly things of today, that we forget why we are truly here, why the church exists, to bring people Jesus, His forgiveness, His mercy, His light in a world of darkness, and His salvation. For all people, every last one of us, in this place, outside of this place, no matter what people have done with their lives, whether they're regretting the messes that they have made or whether they think that they're living life pretty well, Jesus is here for all. This is kind of what we have to do with our text today in the Gospel reading. Jesus is drawing near to Jerusalem. Jerusalem means simply the city of peace. This is God's city. It's a holy city. But if you go back and look at all of the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus, for the most part, most, the majority of the Gospels, he stays away from Jerusalem. He's way up in Capernaum and Galilee. He's basically up in the sticks, so to say, the rural lands where a bunch of country bumpkins are living. That's where he finds his disciples. That's where he finds his true followers. But the inner city, the big city of Jerusalem, Jesus stays away until he has to go there to be crucified. He stays away from Jerusalem because there's a bunch of corruption happening in Jerusalem. There's a lot of mismanagement of what God has given with his kingdom, with his temple there in Jerusalem. And the clergy of his time are abusing not only God's temple, but God's people. I kind of like to equate this today with Jesus dealing maybe with the mob, if you will. I love a good mob movie, Goodfellas, The Untouchables, all of these movies that show sort of the inner workings of the mob, the gangsters. The Godfather. We used to, in California, when we lived, we used to go up to Lake Tahoe, and we would always drive by the house that was in the ending of The Godfather. There it is. There's that house. But you'll notice with those gangsters and with the mob, there's always corruption. And it usually deals with money, politics, and even at times, religion. That's what Jesus is dealing with with the chief priests, the scribes, 
and the important people that we heard about in our gospel reading today. It's Jesus versus the mob. And the main mob city is Jerusalem. It's where all the corruption is. Capone had Chicago. The chief priests and Pharisees have Jerusalem. Jesus looks at God's holy city, and rather than rejoicing at the great grand city, he weeps. He sees a city of people so immersed in the things of this world that they miss that this is where God's throne room resides. He sees that they miss the most important thing right in front of their faces. The things of this world are overshadowing God's most gracious invitation for all to repent and receive His salvation. God was in their midst. He had come to them not only through the temple, but now God is in human flesh and blood, walking, teaching, eating, and drinking amongst His people, teaching and healing in the temple, and yet they're acting like nothing has ever happened. As a result of this unbelief and maybe their stubbornness, there would come a time in their near future when this city would be leveled to the destruction of Jerusalem. This is what Jesus is talking about today. No stone would be left upon another. It's a sad picture. Jesus is actually forecasting the future. But the big picture gets even more tragic when Jesus goes to the temple, the very place that God dwells. This is the place where God's name resides, where God's presence resides, and yet the chief priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, the important people, the mob, so to say, has corrupted it. They are using this place as a place to gain money, to oppress the people, to take charge not only of the religion, but also the politics. And what's the two things you're never supposed to mix together? In conversation, religion, and politics. They have taken what God has established in his city of peace and made it a place of corruption. He sees the work of the sacrifices turned into a bustling business, a way to make profits off of the people. He sees the magnificent building, all which pointed to God, where God is reconciling his people in love. It's turned into a place for people to make a select buck off of somebody. It's no wonder that he weeps. Have you really thought about that? Most people today, when we talk about religion and spirituality, we always like to talk about God way up there. God not really able to understand us little minions down here. We really don't think about God actually being able to associate with us day to day, and yet here today you hear about God weeping. Weeping isn't just simple crying. Weeping is overcome with absolute sadness and absolute fear of what is going to happen. And God weeps for his people. 
That doesn't sound like the God that most people want today, but in many ways, we have encountered a lot of weeping, a lot of sadness, and a lot of fear. And Jesus himself immerses that into himself. He sees where we're at in life, and he does not look at us and say, oh, for shame, for shame, for shame. Why can't you pull yourself up? He looks over at the messes of our lives, and he weeps. Not because you could have done better, not because you made all the wrong choices, but because he knows what it's going to take to bring you back as his people. And he willingly does that for all of you. It's no wonder he drove the mob out of the temple. He wept, and he has every right to do. Remember, this is the same Jesus who said just before, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've often to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. But he does not only weep for them, he weeps for all of us. This is what it really means as Jesus comes about with his visitation. That word there, visitation, in the original language is really the word that we translate today for a bishop or an overseer. It's really what we call in our Lutheran terminologies the work of a pastor. God's oversight of the world. God's looking at all of us in the mysterious and hidden presence throughout the history is all boiled down to one little thing. Jesus being a shepherd for you, his sheep. A shepherd does not go out as the sheep are scattered and bring them back in and say, what were you thinking? What were you doing? You're nuts! Because he knows the sheep are going to look at him and say sheepy things. They're not going to understand, and we don't understand it either. But his heart, his desire is to constantly seek out after that which is lost. All of us. And that which is lost is just not everybody out there. It's all of us day in and day out as we look at our lives and we have so many of the regrets, so much of the shame and the guilt of the things that we cannot forget about our past or even today. He weeps with us in these things, but he also comes to visit us to take away our sin, to take away that shame and the guilt, to lead us to life rather than death and destruction, to lead us in the paths of righteousness. And so when we think about God and we look at his presence in our midst, what is it that is keeping us from noticing his gracious visitation today? I would dare say it's in many ways that we view Jesus, we view God, maybe incorrectly. We've been filled with our minds knowing or thinking that God is somehow some angry judge, some white-haired, white-bearded judge who constantly frowns upon all of us, who constantly looks at us with disgust and distaste. Bah! I can't believe they're living their life this way. Rather today, 
change that image as Jesus becoming the good shepherd for us, seeking all of us out where we are at in life, not to ask where are you and what have you done and leave you there, but to call you by name and bring you back into the fold by his forgiveness. Why? Because he is here for you today. Not to bring about fear, but to bring about that which brings life and salvation. Luther talks about God's gracious visitation with the gospel as a passing rain shower that comes to a place for a time and then it leaves. You never know how long it will stay or when it will go from the place that it is. In the Mediterranean world, particularly Jerusalem and Palestine and the birthplace of Christianity, within a few short centuries of the Christian church being established, it is pretty much gone away. Then it went on to Europe where Christianity flourished. It was a center of Christianity. But now if you go visit Europe today, most of those churches are either closed or used for some other purpose. And now here we are in the United States. The once bustling heartbeat of the Christian church, I fear, is fast leaving us. But all is not lost. What it all really comes down to is realizing God's visitation. So my simple thing that I want to leave with you here today is simply this. What things are preventing you from receiving God's visitation? You may say, well, pastor, it's, it's really not a whole lot. I, I think we're doing pretty good. I think I'm doing pretty good. Be careful, lest you think we stand and yet we fall. What is it that is truly recognizing us from receiving God's mercy? From coming to this place, yes, but also to relying on God with all things that He's given to us. The gift of prayer, the gift of hearing His Word, the gift of going to God and confessing all that is wrong in your life. Not to be frowned upon, but to be shown mercy and love and forgiveness. And God who will never remember those things that are confessed to him. Is it money? Is it family? Lack of time? Friends? The inability to stay up with society? Is it the things of this world? Is it a mask mandate? Or the mistrust of others and maybe how they're handling this pandemic? God's hand is at work in the midst of all of these things, working in our lives to draw us into His gracious presence, forgiving us our sins and giving us life where there is no hope and where His love is absent. All He tells us today is to repent of all of those things that get in the way of His visitation. Repent and believe that Jesus is your good shepherd, Believe that He comes, yes, as your judge, but He judges you innocent because of His price that He paid for you on the cross. 
Believe that God comes to you this day through His Word, humble and lowly and weeping for you and with you, longing to gather you together to Himself. He is in your midst right here and right now. It may not seem like it, but He's promised it. He is right here, right now, because He loves you more than life itself. You are, as we heard in between the readings, the apple of His eye. He is the end of all the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. And today, as He gathers you together, and as He weeps for you, He weeps, yes, over our sin, but because of His price that He pays, He frees you of that sin. He frees you of that burden. He frees you to be free as free people, one who is holy and righteous and innocent and blameless in His sight. That's how He sees you. One who can look at their life rather than living a life of lament or regret about our past, one that we can look upon and learn from our past, knowing that Christ forgives all of your sins even today, and that in all of those things we can let go of them and cling to Christ, who has wiped away your past, your present, and who has always promised to be with you in the future. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.